As an HR professional, we all know that feedback is invaluable to our team and our organization. In today's remote work setting, it's tempting to take the easy way out and remove performance reviews from our manager's already lengthy to-do list. After all, they take time, and who really enjoys those awkward conversations? Well, I think they're still important, and here at the Insights at Work podcast, we're going to lead by example and conduct our very own on-air performance review. I recently recorded our six-year-old daughter Sophie's feedback in a variety of areas around my fatherly activities. How about we start with performance in the food and beverage department? That's disgusting. How do you expect me to eat that? Hmm. Oh, okay. A bit harsh. How about my physical fitness? Daddy, you're just chubby. I don't mean really chubby, but just chubby. Ooh, uh, that's hitting a little close to home, honey. How about my sense of fashion? That does not match at all. You look like a ding-dong. Um, okay. Anything else constructive to add, sweetie? Uh, your hair stinks, and I don't like your eyebrows a lot. Well, maybe we'll wrap up my performance review another time, after I've finished crying. In the meantime, today we're talking about remote employee feedback and performance reviews. You're listening to ADP's Inside Word Podcast, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for coming on, sweetie. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Insights at Work Podcast, where we look at what's happening in the HR and business world, take your questions, and study the research to help HR experts move forward. It's prepared by HR experts for HR experts. Today, we're discussing another topic that, well, not too many of us like to talk about, regardless of which side of the desk we're sitting on. Joining us today, originally from the United Kingdom by way of beautiful British Columbia, is someone I truly admire and an expert in performance management strategy and technology. She walks the walk each and every day with her clients. It's Executive HR Relationship Manager and two-time Insights at Work podcast guest, ADP's very own Anne Buckingham. Anne, like always, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Great to be here. Anne, I'm a big fan of remote technology, not a big fan of performance reviews. I've been lucky enough to work on some amazing teams. And what I treasure most from those experiences are the close relationships that we've been able to build and those rare times when I've been able to coach and impart some wisdom. Performance reviews to me have always been a chore with very little ROI. But let me start by asking you this. Why now? Why during a pandemic is employee feedback and performance reviews so important. Well, Jeff, you, you know, you may have conducted hundreds of performance reviews over the course of your career, but in the era of COVID-19, everything is different now. So you and your team have been working remotely for over a year, and it's been an extremely difficult and unknown situation. So how do you begin to evaluate your employees' performance at such a challenging time? And, and how much do you have to consider the impact of COVID-19 on your assessment? 
And, you know, it's important. You've got to also be fair given everybody's different circumstances. So for starters, think about why you're conducting those reviews, because as the COVID-19 crisis trudges on, you're not necessarily looking to weed out poor performers or decide who gets a raise. Rather, it's more to strengthen your organization's culture and reinforce its values. So how the company treats its employees in this situation will make or break the culture. And performance evaluations are one of the strongest anchors and artifacts of your corporate culture. What leaders do and say now in these times is going to be remembered. And remember, your primary objective actually hasn't changed. You're still trying to help your employees become as strong as possible. You also need to acknowledge the vastly different circumstances your team members are operating under. Some may be juggling client calls with entertaining toddlers. Others may be overseeing projects while caring for elderly relatives. And others may be trying to work while struggling with feelings of isolation. So your approach here calls for a little more flexibility, a little more heart, and a little more leniency. That's the shift. That's what you need to be doing because remote work can produce significant benefits for employers and employees. In normal times, job reviews are a chance for managers to confront poor performers by putting in place some sort of performance plan, hoping to turn that ship around. But these are not normal times. So, Anne, let me ask you, what are you seeing with your clients in the workplace now? Yeah, I, I work across a lot of clients and, uh, you know, some of the things that we're seeing in the remote workplace is, you know, if someone is not performing now, is not time to beat them up, right? It's not worth it to run around chasing non-performers. Instead, if someone on your team isn't delivering, you need to find out why by asking and seeing what's going on in their lives. And so some of the things that we're seeing are things like fear of missing out. You know, if let's address the remote worker who is performing well, the risk here is that they uh, can be that they're not even getting enough visibility from the manager or the team. They're feeling overlooked and underappreciated. They're at risk for disengagement and attrition as a result of that. And so research shows that the worry about being out of sight, out of mind, or having that fear of missing out can lead to loneliness and isolation in remote workers. It's critical, therefore, for managers to increase high-performing team members' social visibility with public recognition and to reward good work. And a second benefit of recognition being given publicly is that it makes it clear what types of behavior your company rewards. This helps to build the type of culture that you want. It's more effective to show people exactly what success looks like than to criticize what they do wrong. So public recognition is also an excellent tool for improving the performance of those who aren't actually high achievers yet. In a remote team, there are fewer opportunities to directly observe co-workers at work. And so drawing specific attention to excellent work gives everyone a chance to learn and improve. And what about, are you seeing that maybe more of our clients are tending to their child, they're having childcare in the afternoon. And so, uh, you know, are they logging off earlier in the day and then coming back at night? 
or are they just burning the candle at both ends? I think it's both ends, Jeff, to be honest. You can tell that just by the communications that you get, you know, when do you get them? And, you know, obviously people, some people manage better than others. Um, but, you know, you can see in some cases that, you know, clients are juggling and they, you know, they have a lot of commitments to get through. So, you know, it's important for us to support them as best we can, but also it's adding even to our plate for, for doing that. And I'm going to throw some stats your way and I want to hear your thoughts on them. Do they sound realistic to you? A 2015 survey showed that 95% of employees are dissatisfied with their company's appraisal process. It, it's not surprising to me at all, Jeff, to be perfectly honest. And even though it might be an older survey, I don't think the results have changed, um, you know, a few years on from there. Because for years now, it's not like there's been a generally well-adopted process by the HR industry and companies on the whole for performance reviews. Some do it well, but my observations are that they are a chore, not only to, to employees receiving, but the manager in delivering. And let's be honest, guys, for HR and enforcing as well. Um, so it this isn't a surprise to me. The statistics are, are, are in line with my experience and what I see out there. But of course, what you have to bear in mind is that changing processes takes time. And you do need senior leadership direction and sponsorship if this is the route you want to go. So here's another stat. And I love this stat. Now, I haven't done it myself, but I have seen this happen in the workplace. 22% of employees have called in sick in order to avoid a performance review. And this isn't something <laughs> you do, is it? No, Jeff, for sure it's not something that I would do, but I've also been fortunate to have great relationships with my managers and in the organizations I've worked with. But to think that nearly one in five employees would do this is quite alarming, really. Um, and performance reviews, I mean, they really shouldn't be that scary to the extent it would make an employee be compelled to this, unless, of course, maybe it's been a year gone by and maybe they haven't had any feedback. So a whole year be between a performance review will give anxiety because they don't, they haven't been kept up to date. They don't know what's been going on. So it becomes scary. So it will be interesting as we move forward to monitor if there is a difference between providing feedback remotely versus in person and how it potentially may reduce some of that confrontational aspect of receiving and providing feedback. So here's two more stats that are super interesting. We'll just wrap it up with those. First stat is that 77% of HR professionals believe performance reviews don't accurately reflect employee contributions. And the second stat is it's also around operations. It's that managers spend an average of 210 hours per year on performance reviews. So what do you think about those two stats, Anne? To be perfectly honest, I think they speak for themselves. These stats really reflect that there's a lot of resources dedicated by the company to the re performance review process. And they also reflect that the performance review doesn't provide an accurate picture of what's happening in the work life of the employee. 
So think about it. How can a single report or assessment provide an accurate account for what's happened over an entire year? Like what gets missed? Who who's making a note of those things as the year goes on? My memory is not that great. And so to just do it once a year, that's when things get missed. And then, you know, what is the outcome of that to the employee? How do they feel valued? Because some at some stage during the year, maybe they did an, an amazing job at something. And if the manager forgets to even include it in their performance review, that's not a good feeling for that. Now, and working from home has become the new industry norm and collecting employee feedback is now more important than ever. And for those HR professionals building a business case to transform company culture or their performance review process, can you fill me and the audience in on how improving remote employee feedback benefits the company and the culture. Yeah, and the um, engagement is what truly matters right now. So it drives the performance and it's a predictor of performance related behaviors such as productivity, innovation and voluntary turnover. So studies show that there is a direct correlation between employee engagement and business metrics. The bottom line to this, good processes and culture drive good engagement, which in, in turn drives good business. So that's what engagement will bring, bring with that remote feedback. You need that, you've got to have it. And reducing turnover rates, you know, companies with, this is nothing new, with high employee turnover rates, you know, companies tend to be less effective and less productive compared to organizations with lower employee turnover. So it's instilling a responsive feedback culture, helps employees to share and address their issues openly and ensures that you're going to build some employee loyalty, have that retention of good quality workers and mitigate that voluntary attrition, um, which of course always leads to replacement costs, which are about a third of a, of a worker's salary. So you wanna be avoiding that. Okay. Now that you've let me know the benefits to the business when you improve remote feedback and fill me in on what remote employee feedback means to the employee. Oh, there's there's quite a few things here, Jeff. So from an employee perspective, um, there's visibility. So there's rest, less risk of them feeling overlooked um, or underappreciated or, or misunderstood. Um, and so every opportunity for feedback provides remote workers with an occasion to not only be part of a team, but also feel that he or she is part of the team. So it's, it's really important for that visibility. There's the social lifeline. So the context and reality can easily be lost in a remote work setting. So feedback sessions provide opportunities for remote workers to converse with their peers, exchange ideas, and benefit from the reactions of team members. For, for an employee as well, you know, one of the best ways to turn remote feedback into a positive part of your team culture is to communicate its impact. So tell your employees how you are implementing their feedback and what action are you going to be taking? So if, for example, you, you do a survey of some sort, it's critical that you communicate those results of the survey and outline how you plan to act on those insights. 
The decisions can be big or small. It doesn't matter. But the point is that acting on the feedback shows you are listening to your employees and you value their input, which will encourage them to share feedback more often. And one of the biggest benefits I've seen when you've developed that culture that participates in regular employee feedback is that managers, they're just not providing a tool to address issues before they escalate. But by asking for that employee feedback on a regular basis, it really encourages employees to look for areas of improvement. So when people feel that they aren't able to share feedback with each other, even on small things, well, problems then they grow into big problems. But when people regularly share their feedback, I think employees become more comfortable with having those difficult conversations, meaning they're not afraid to ask coworkers to speak lower when on the phone or have their part of their project completed on time. So I would have to say, I think that sharing feedback consistently better equips employees to address any kind of situation instead of bottling it up. And can you tell me your favorite techniques that managers can employ when delivering remote feedback? Sure, Jeff. There's a few things here we can think about. We've got a list here um, of, you know, kind of seven different things. And some of them are quite straightforward, but there's some real do's when delivering remote feedback. So as we said earlier you know the approach is about knowing that it's vastly different doing it remotely and that there are varying circumstances that your team members are operating under so think about that and be specific with what you're looking for as well as be prompt because it's important to establish and, and communicate timelines for performance reviews but when you're addressing specific situations remote leaders must share feedback as soon as possible it's absolutely key because even if you and the team member are not able to connect immediately then you know make sure that you reach out and highlight that you want time to connect in the next couple of days and discuss that feedback feedback is a a fast effective way of communicating and it's it really is relished by certainly the employee You've also got to be thinking about some of these things here, such as checking your biases, because you you may be have you may have a team in the office, uh, and you may have a team that are virtual. So you've got to mix. So how you look at those individuals and the blend, and how you uh, look at you know address their feedback or you you're doing performance is is going to be different. So you've got to look at those biases and make sure you take that into account. So you know, pay, pay close attention to any of those um, racial biases or gender biases as well. So just just be a little cautious around that um, and make sure it's nice and balanced. And, you know, the whole point of where we are in this remote world is about being empathetic and professional in your eva evaluation and taking all those other factors that are affecting people in that remote environment. So, um, you know, keep it professional. And if a you know employee is not interested in sharing personal details, that's okay. Respect their wishes and their boundaries. Um, but just make sure that you also remove your own feelings from the feedback as well. You don't want to um, get into that loop. But but use that empathy. It's key right now. And you and I are lucky enough to see each other during this presentation. So I can play off your body cues and your visual cues, but in 
a remote setting, we don't always have that luxury of having video. But when we do have that capability for video, how important is it to keep your webcam on when you're delivering remote employee feedback? When you are doing remote employee feedback, it's absolutely imperative in my mind. It's, it's my view, and I know others will maybe will think differently around that, but you know, being able to see somebody, we all know that the picture paints a thousand words. And if you're seeing people face to face, you can read much more than if you are just hearing. So it's using that extra sensor and, you know, being able to visualize as well. So you're going to get much more around that feedback um, by having cameras on. And I couldn't agree more. So now that we've talked about the do's of providing remote employee feedback, and why don't you fill me in on the don'ts of providing remote employee feedback? Yeah, there's always the the equal and opposite, right? So we from a, from a remote feedback, some of the don'ts that I would highlight there would be, you know, don't just focus on now. Um, Focusing feedback solely on what happened recently won't help to solve future and potentially large scale problems. So trying to find more of the root causes of an issue and the solutions for those too. Um, do not, and this, you know, it, it may seem simple to say, but do not make it assumptions. Um, you, you've got to make sure that you're getting to the bottom of things and not just making up what you think the situation is because, you know, your employees are, are unseen and you don't know what all the dynamics are that are at play. So you've got to, to be open to that and not make those um, assumptions. And <laughs> this is, this is an interesting, like, don't make it a contest. Fe feedback is not a contest. Um, it's not about being right or wrong. It's not about winning or losing. It's about, working to reinforce those positive behaviors and learning how to fix underlying issues to achieve that stronger working environment. And building and maintaining a strong company culture can be difficult when you only see your team for several minutes each week or when you can only see them via your laptop screen. I mean, how impactful is that conversation going to be? What kind of impression are you going to leave your employee? Will they believe that you're really interested in their well-being or that you're sincere in the feedback you're delivering? I think, like with most conversations, I've found that by asking the right questions, we have the most meaningful conversation. So let me ask you this, Anne, what are some questions that a manager can ask their employee to keep them engaged? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jeff, because questions are how people form those deeper bonds and build mutual trust. So using questions to dig deeper and, and be purposeful about them means that you can establish, you know, great information, cohesion, um, and you you've got that something then tangible to work with. So we put together these 10 questions as some suggestions for how you could keep your employees engaged. And for those um, that are listening, you know, I'm sure a lot of you are already HR professionals. So some of them really speak for themselves. Um, but coming back to some of those pieces about sort of empathy and leniency as we're looking at remote feedback and performance, you know, one of the ones, you know, right at the top there, how are you feeling and what's your energy level? You know, it, it may seem obvious, 
But when everyone works in the same physical space, managers can easily stop by an employee's desk and just check in. But without that, um, you know, how are your people feeling? You can't just do that. It's not as easy to pick up on those feeling states and energy levels without seeing them. Um, it's not the same as using a message center or an email or whatever mechanism your company is using. So you've got to dig on that one and and let your people know that you care about them as as humans and not just employees. So it might be obvious, but it's it's a key one to me. And I I also like the other one here, which is what part of your role is the most energizing, draining, and purposeful. This is a a great question for that. Um, temperature check and it's it starts to then lead into learning about the strengths and abilities of your employees um, by asking it so if you make this a habit and you get the you know you get to find out what are they most excited about where's all their energy then you can start to relate that to what their performance and how it meshes together or is there something they find particularly difficult or draining you know that in itself tells you where do they need help? Where do they need support? Um, so it's it for here, you want people to be enjoying what they're doing because then they're going to be performing at their greatest. So this is a great question to ask for that. I've read that over the past year, we have seen digital adoption take a quantum leap. In the fall of 2020, McKinsey conducted a survey where participants said that in the case of remote working, companies moved 40 times more quickly than they thought possible before the pandemic. Respondents said that before the pandemic, they believed it would take more than a year for the company to implement a remote working situation. And you know what? It took an average of 11 days for most companies to introduce some sort of remote working capability. So I'd love to hear what you're seeing with your clients and their adoption of remote technology. What are the different tools in regards to remote feedback and performance reviews that you're seeing embraced? Yeah, those those stats are quite incredible, Jeff. They they blow my mind away about how fast everybody moved um, to to take everything remotely. Um, it's it's really quite incredible, um, and I'm sure there's a lot more stats to go with that. And technology has absolutely made things so easy now to capture data. Um, it's a bit of a minefield out there. Let's not take that away because where do you go what do you look at what works for you best there's so much out there right now um so you've got to make sure that you do your research and you've got to and you know what is the most effective method that works for your employees your culture and and how everybody is so <clears throat> you've really got to do that i mean one of the things that um i know is I've seen some of my clients use is they're using the um, employee net promoter score because your employees are the asset of the company. But how do you know whether they are satisfied or dissatisfied with you? Um, and that's what the ENPS does. It helps you understand the health of your employees and conducting that ENPS survey, either maybe monthly or quarterly, really helps you to measure employee satisfaction and loyalty. So that's a that's kind of a new 
um, mnemonic and, and, you know, that people are, are beginning to latch on to and see as being a, a key one that they can use um, in the technology world. There's always feedback surveys. Um, we, we do lots of those. Um, I know in, in our organization, we rely on them. They're very important for us. Um, but something like a pulse survey, have you ever done one of those? That's a question because you want that kind of health check of your employee and that's kind of what the, the pulse survey is. So they're much shorter compared to that employee satisfaction or engagement survey that you might have been doing, say, every two years. They are that pulse. It's a couple of questions, one to three questions, maybe that just um, give quick insights um, on your employees. And they're, they're really important in keeping track of progress against certain initiatives as well. So if you want that feedback, just that short pulse, pretty quick, good results and also trackable. So good, good pulse surveys to do. You know, Anne, I find another amazing tool is online company review websites. Like Glassdoor, for example. I mean, not only are candidates looking at those websites, but you know what? Your own employees are looking at those websites. And I bet you nine times out of 10, when an employee is not comfortable delivering that negative feedback directly to their manager, well, they'll deliver that negative feedback online. So I think it's much better for them to vent their frustration in person or online with their manager than going on to something like Glassdoor. I agree with that one, Jeff, because, <clears throat> you know, it's always true that if you've got some, something negative to say, you're more likely to say it. Um, and I don't think we necessarily put enough emphasis on looking at some of these. It's just like, oh, that person was negative. They just want to vent. They just want to get it out. But there's underlying factors to that. And that's why it's really important um, as an HR person to go back and look at that because there is feedback in there. There are nuggets. And if you if you look at it, maybe there's even trends that are forming with people and their opinions. I know they magnify themselves sometimes, but it's it's important to include in the mix. And you've talked about the importance of remote employee feedback in this new normal. You've talked about techniques that managers can use when delivering remote employee feedback. Now, I don't think we need to convince anyone on today's webinar how relevant improving remote feedback is. Can you fill me in on what types of performance processes are available out there? Performance processes that we could transition from if we're using the traditional annual performance review. Well, <clears throat> inevitably, what you're going to have to do is really just look at what are you currently doing, you know, or not doing, as, as the case may be, because, you know, let's. Let's not take it away from the fact that in some organization, performance reviews processes work really well. So if it's tried and true and established and accepted, you know, what do you really need to change? So you don't have to throw out the whole thing, um, but consider maybe some evolutions or some tweaks to offset some of those concerns and biases and, you know, add in that kind of feedback factor. When you are doing your performance reviews as well, you know, make sure it's a usable, easy platform that's accessible. Um, it's easy to log in. It's easy to follow the steps and that you're supporting people through it. Because again, if it becomes too difficult, then it's not going to get done. So, Anne, when I started at ADP, I was introduced to something very similar. We have online check-ins with our managers, but that check-in asks me if I'm using my strengths to the fullest of my abilities. Now, when I started at ADP, 
I took a 35-minute online test that identified my greatest strengths. Now, my understanding is that ADP wanted to help me identify my two top strengths because they believe that if I use and I play to my greatest strengths, I will be a happy and engaged employee. And I am. Now, that makes sense to me because I'm focusing on what I'm good at and what I'm motivated by. So, since you're the HR expert here, can you fill our audience in just a little bit more about this approach? Yeah, this it's quite revolutionary, this approach. And, and what the strengths assessment is, is how we initially establish things. And it's designed to help leaders pinpoint their own strengths um, to leverage them with their team members, as well as help team members identify their strengths in their work. So it's, it has a, a, um, a twofold effect. So why is this important? Um, as you mentioned, Jeff, like in, in your situation, employees are more pro productive and better engaged in their work when they leverage those strengths. So teams are successful when managers are aware of what those are for their individuals, and then obviously it ultimately benefits the organization. So our particular model, and I'm just gonna use this as an example, is what we call standout. So the standout assessment reveals an, an employee's top strengths roles. And then the combination of traits that helps a worker stand out is how it comes together. So it, it's, it's what one-time assessment, 35, Timed questions um, is one of those things. I know lots of people in, in the HR world are used to kind of psychometric testing. It's kind of the same principles around that. And then it just ranks the employees with those nine strengths. And it's, but the questions themselves are based upon 18 themes. So that's how it starts from the 35 questions. We get down to 18 themes. And those themes are going to be things like problem solving, common sense, adaptability, analytical ability, persistence, courage. And so all of those come together. And what happens is they then feed into one of nine strengths. And uh, they're categorized. So when you we look at those, the strengths could be an advisor, a connector, a creator, an equalizer, an influencer, a pioneer, a provider, a stimulator, and a teacher. And those those have been over many many years of research. Um, these have been refined and. Um, come down to these nine strengths. So, you know, like every person has all of these. So for myself, I have all of these, but the two that stand out at the top of that um, for me are stimulator teacher. And so <clears throat> that's what my profile is. Those are the things that I'm strong at and those are the things that I love doing. And I, when I'm in that mode and I'm in that role, that's what's making me perform really well. How about yourself, Jeff? What are yours? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Dan. I am a connector teacher. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it's, it's designed very differently than some of those kind of psychometric tests where they say if you take it on a regular basis, 
you'll see change because it's going to de depend on where you are, where your head's at, and what you're doing at the time and how you respond. So that's the difference between a, a standard type of psychometric test and this, which is a strengths assessment. Yeah, I, it is just a really big game changer. I think what's really interesting is though, when you start looking at what are the systems behind this? Yes, we're saying, hey, we're no longer doing annual performance reviews. We're doing something different. We're doing something innovative. People think, well, if you're not doing annual performance reviews, are you still measuring? And the answer, of course, is yes, we're always measuring. Absolutely. You, you, uh, all decisions, business decisions should be based on data and information. So it's important to have that. Um, but it's also important that the team leader uh, you know, can draw out those qualities in an in employee to make sure that they have the impact that you're looking for. So, um, you know, if you have those measurement criteria and you do your check-ins, the, the platform enables managers and employees to be prepared for those conversations. And, you know, you see the trends. They, you know, even the tool itself has a, has a mapping of the trends of the responses from your employees. So you know if they're up, you know if they're down, you know if they're happy, you know if they're achieving. So that data is available. And so it's it's really important to make sure it's captured. Measurement is key. And I just wanna pick up on your point about how measurement is key. Now, you work directly with companies who use weekly check-ins to provide regular feedback and monitor what's happening with their teams. Can you offer just a brief overview of the weekly check-in and fill the audience in on the questions the weekly check-in covers and the data behind those questions that it provides? Yeah, it's, it's the great thing with this with my clients and they love it because the check-in is not onerous. It's quick. It's simple. It's the same questions um, every week that you know you respond to. So it takes you. You get a reminder to do it. It takes you about three or four minutes at the best of times, and it just makes you quickly not only reflect but also project. Like where are you going? So the questions that you know we get asked. There's I think there's eight of them there. I think so. You know this week. And it's that's the focus is this week I had a chance to use my strengths every day. This week I added outstanding value. And, you know, that one always makes me think like, what did I add as value this week? What did I do? What did I achieve? So great to capture that. Um, did your manager connect with you about your work priorities? Because, you you know, it's, again, it's a bit of a checkpoint about whether you've had that contact or if there's anything you need to follow up. What did you love? We all love talking about those ones. And what did you loathe? And actually, loathe is a is a a very strong word, but it's it's designed that way to really make you think. What did I absolutely not want to do? What drained the life out of me? And then inevitably, you can then look at you know what's my priorities next week and what help do you need. I mean, it, it doesn't take long, but it really draws it out of you for that feedback. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward process. Now, Anne, for those uninitiated with the remote feedback process, it sounds it sounds like a silver bullet. It sounds pretty idealistic. I mean, I'm being asked how I feel and if I'm using my strengths. If I'm an HR manager, I'm used to relying on data so I can justify promoting team members and handing out bonuses. Where's the data? How do I know if I've built up a case for either a promotion or for possibly putting a team member 
on a performance plan? Well, it's absolutely there. I mean, it's and and what's especially interesting about this in today's technology is that we can capture um, data per, on pretty much any anything and everything. Um, you know, how are our employees? How are our teams? How is our organization organization feeling? All of that can be captured. And this all sounds great in theory. And in my introduction, I said that you walk the walk every day. You're working with clients on employee engagement initiatives just like this. What's the feedback and key learnings that you've seen in the real world with your clients who've implemented frequent check-ins and remote employee feedback? Yeah, the, these are some quotes that have, you know, they are they are real. They came from some of my clients and I, I wanted to share these with everybody so that they, they realize this isn't just theory, this is practice and this is what we do get to see. Um, you know, there's an employee comment there. Our team loves the ability to confidentially share their ideas with our leader. Um, so that feedback process is being really appreciated um, and not something that they've obviously been able to do before. Um, and then it's it's also about, you know, it's great to have honest conversations with my manager outside of the performance review cycle. So it, it's saying that it's adding value to that. And so, you know, and there's a couple of other that, others there as well, Jeff. I mean, they're just great. My, my clients love the tool. So, and today we've talked about a few different models of delivering employee feedback. If as an HR manager, I'm interested in changing how things are done in my company, and we've seen several different models today on remote employee feedback, several different technologies. Well, what's the next step for me? Yeah, it's, it's change is, is never easy because you've got a, a culture there, you've got a mindset, um, and it's, it's what is your senior leadership team comfortable with as well? Um, you know, trying to change the culture and become more engaged um, and get responsiveness from employees is not something that you can just do overnight. Um, but so you, when you're looking at your culture, what you're trying to create is, is looking at, you know, what is your current system? What are the priorities and what are the ready, readiness for change? So how, you know, take those factors into consideration. And if the stars align, then you've got change. You've got the opportunity to put that business case together and uh, get your leadership buy-in and, and just start taking those steps. And before we wrap up, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to address? I think for me, the key thing here is, and, and what hopefully we've conveyed through this message is that um, employee feedback and performance reviews are a very powerful opportunity to bring teams to uh, you know closer together. Um, they can lift people up, they can knock them down, but if you manage the the process properly and you um, actually and you know let them know what's what it is to be successful and give them the opportunities by using their strengths to be successful then they're not going to feel average you know they're going to be happier they're going to be um delivering what you really want them to deliver and it's just taking into um account the current environment this current environment that we're all muddling our way through that is alien to all of us. It's, it's really just reaching out and uh, 
I'd encourage everyone in, in the audience that keep looking at ways to involve, evolve your performance management. Don't let it go stale and make sure it's always something that you can use to celebrate and to strengthen and get the best out of your employees because it's that's your key to success. Well, before we really do wrap up this podcast, let's check in and learn just a bit more about what makes today's guest tick. And this is the part of the podcast where I get to ask you what your favorite things are. Are you ready for this? Yeah, sure. Fire away, Jeff. All right, let's fire off this first question. And what's your favorite tool to get work done? Oh, goodness. So for me, I would probably say it's actually as simple as my outlook because it keeps me really organized. I can put all my tasks. I can put it in my schedules. I, I have a lot of work to do to coordinate many, many things and follow up. So it's it's invaluable to me. I love my outlook. Well, and speaking of outlook, I'd love to know where you look to for industry information. Mm. I, I mean, Google is always helpful, but I guess for, for industry, I always use LinkedIn for business information for my clients. Well, LinkedIn's always great. And what was the first concert you ever went to? Oh my goodness, I'm going to date myself here. I'm going to tell you it was actually Genesis. And you'd be dating yourself if you said it was Lawrence Welk. But what's really interesting is that on our last episode, our podcast guest... Uh, said that her best concert was uh, Phil Collins. Yes, Very interesting. I've, I've seen Phil Collins in Paris uh, in concert. He was amazing. And in a few months' time, I'm really, really hoping this comes off. I'm going back to the UK to see Genesis on their farewell tour. And what is the best concert that you've ever been to? I guess from an iconic point of view, I would probably say Queen. I've seen them twice. I saw them at Wembley Stadium in the UK, and I also saw them at a very, very large open air venue called Nebworth, which is just outside of London. And it was a big, big, big concert with quite a number of very major bands. But but you can't beat Queen. They, they just rock it. Well, you have been rocking it today. So, Anne, let's wrap it up with this one last question. What is the one piece of advice that you give to people who are just starting out in their career? I always like to say to, to new people starting out, not to be blinkered into the career that they've necessarily chosen at that point and to be open to other ideas, other options, and the fact that they will not all, they may not end their career the way they started it and to be open to, to other options because you got to flex and move and and eventually you'll you'll find your real niche and that doesn't mean the first choice is the right one and as always it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the insights at work podcast i've taken a ton of notes here and i really enjoyed our conversation thank you so much jeff it's been really enjoyable and i hope that the the audience have been able to take some nuggets away with them from this. And this is the part of the podcast where I thank everyone for listening in. I know it's tough to find time to carve out for thought leadership, and I appreciate you, the listener, for making the time for us. Anything we can do to help ourselves get better at something is time well spent. 
On our next episode, we'll be talking with more HR experts about today's most important HR issues. I'm Jeff Livingston. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind. We'll see you soon on our next episode of ADP's Insights at Work.